0: It's more than okay to, you know, distribute your launches uh, by geographies and by time. Uh, I think every market still operates like quite independently. So whatever comes up in, in press, for example, in Germany might not come up in press in France, for example. Like markets are still quite independent. So it's totally fine to launch something in one and then in another. I would even recommend doing so because. It's quite impossible to launch, you know, globally at the same time and the mistakes can happen. So the more, the less markets, let's say you have an each batch, the more attention you dedicate to this launch, uh, to engineering fixes, to marketing fixes. So my preference has always been staggering the launches, uh, but not doing it one by one, which is also impossible. If you can spend like a year just launching the feature in every market, but just, leading the markets in buckets, let's say. And as we mentioned, prioritization is key, so you have your priority markets that might go live first, then second priority markets, let's say, third priority markets, etc. So really it is, like from my perspective, it is really recommended to have uh, like buckets and stagger the launches uh, in time.
1: Welcome to the Product Marketing Life podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance and hosted by me, Mark Cassini, Product Marketing Manager at Jopper. Every two weeks, I pull insights from some of the world's most talented product marketers who uncover the secret sauce of successful product marketing. In this episode, I'm joined by Olga Lal, Regional Product Marketing Manager, EMEA, Consumer Apps at Google. Olga has spent the bulk of her career at Google, starting off as a business intern and progressing through the product marketing ranks and spending time in the UK and the US with a brief stint as a product manager. Today, Olga and her team within the consumer apps division focus on both FinTech and knowledge products, specifically Google Pay and Wallet, as well as Google search. During our chat, Olga gives a detailed overview of what it's like to be both a PM and a PMM overseeing regional and global product launches. She offers some great advice on what to do when approaching your first global launch, and just as importantly, what not to do. All right, with that out of the way, let's dive in. Hey, Olga, how's it going?
0: well. How are you, Mark?
1: Good, thanks. Super excited to have you here today.
0: <laughs> Me too. Very excited to chat about this.
1: Awesome. Well, let's get into it then. Can you walk me through your career so far and what you do today at Google?
0: So I've been at Google for about six years uh, as a product marketing manager, and I've always been focused on our B2C products. So for example, let's take consumer apps, Google Search, Google Maps, and all other apps that you can use on a daily basis, uh, like a lot of people do. So I've been mostly focused on that, uh, but I've also moved around like inside of Google uh, among like different roles. So for example, I've been in the local team, in the global team based in the US, and now I'm uh, in the regional team based in in the UK, London, and I cover product marketing for consumer apps in EMEA region, which is Europe, Middle East, and Africa.
1: Very cool. I'm, I'm curious, do you get any exposure or any interaction with the hardware side of the business, or are you strictly in the software side?
0: I would say like... Officially, I'm on the software side, but for example, when I was based in the U.S., I used to work with our app, Google Assistant, and it's not just the app, it's also the voice assistant that you have in the hardware products like Google Nest displays, uh, smart speakers, et cetera. So I've been collaborating a lot with the hardware side of the business for sure. Uh, So yeah, got some exposure to that side of things as well.
1: Very cool. And does the hardware side of the business, do they have product marketing managers as well? Or are they set up differently? Or is their marketing or slightly different?
0: Yeah, they also have product marketing managers. Uh, and I guess like you need to because it's a... It's a very different business right like how consumers choose their smart speaker based on what what are the characteristics the features of the product as a hardware product actually matter for users that's a completely different area of my expertise which is more like how does this feature work what is the natural way for users to interact with their voice assistant so yes definitely uh, but at the same time everything should work together right so that's why we've been collaborating a lot but they do have their own product marketing team
1: very cool. Yeah. I ask because it's not often I get to chat with product marketers who work at orgs that have both a hardware and software side. So often you think product marketing, you think software, B2B. So it's nice to, to change things up a bit. So I'm, I, I'm sure we'll, we'll kind of dig into that a little bit later on if you've got some follow-up questions, but thanks for humoring me because I, I was genuinely curious. Awesome. So before we get into our main topic, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your journey from product marketing, product management, and then back again, all well at Google. Uh, what was that experience like? You know, what skills did you find to be most transferable? And you know, selfishly, I want to know why ultimately did you decide to switch back to product marketing?
0: Sure, I feel like every PM I'm at some point starts wondering, like, should I become a PM? It's it's like something that is always on our minds, and I'm no exception. When I was based in the US and our global team, uh, and I was working on Google Assistant, and I've been collaborating a lot with product managers on our team, I was like maybe I should try it out, like maybe that is my next career step. Uh, And so I did take like an additional project with our product team. And I was driving the development and the launch of one of their Google Assistant features. Uh, And that was quite exciting. To be honest, I found a lot of transferable skills as well. So for example, PM work is actually a lot of cross-functional alignment and just like organizing people, aligning with different teams, which is what we do as PMMs as well, so I definitely could apply those skills there as well, and also understanding the user, you know, the user insights research. That was definitely something that I could benefit from from my PMM role. At the same time, the technical knowledge, of course, that was a challenge. Like as a PMM, I had to pick up a few, you know, courses and just like understand how the product actually works, which is fine. Like you can always talk to your engineer, like, and just understand in more detail the technical background of things. Um but yeah, you also asked like why I made the switch back. Um I think At some point, I realized that, well, the PMM job is actually more dynamic in a sense of the deliverables. So I feel like as a PMM, you're always launching stuff. There's always like a new feature, a new product coming up, campaign. So it's a more dynamic environment while as a product manager, you spend most of your time developing, thinking about features, which is also great. But I guess personally for me, a PMM role is just a better fit. And also I feel like PMM is a more... Diverse role in the sense that you can do gross marketing, core product marketing, like anything literally, while as a product manager, your scope is very well defined and you know what you're working on and what kind of skills you're applying. So, yeah, I was one of those uh, weird PMMs, I guess, who made the switch to the PM and then, like, "Uh, no, you know what? Like, I enjoy my PMM letter so much. So, I'm just going to go back.
1: Yeah, and I I wouldn't describe that as too weird. I know I've spoken to uh, quite a few product marketing managers who. If not, you know, spend direct time as product managers have shadowed them very closely just to kind of learn and appreciate the role a bit more because, you know, like you said, we we work so closely together as product marketing managers with our product management counterparts. So, yeah, thanks for for shedding some light on that because, again, genuinely curious about doing that all within the same org. And as a follow-up question, did you find as the PM, were there any go-to-market responsibilities on your plate or were were you strictly just focused on you know, getting the feature out the door and then leaning into product marketing to kind of take it from there?
0: Uh, There was definitely a go-to-market component of that. And that's where, you know, I could shine the most as a PMM because like I used to do a lot of go-to-market as a PMM, Uh, but maybe it was the specifics of that specific feature that I was working on or the team, but I would say that most of my time still went into deep thinking and like development of the feature. And yes, we needed to have a go-to-market plan, but to reach that stage when you're actually launching the feature, it's actually a very, very long process. Like it, it takes a lot of time to launch a new product or a feature. So that's why like I didn't get to like actually experience the go-to-market part, I feel like.
1: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And and on that idea of you know product marketing be a bit more diverse in the day-to-day and the, the expectations mm-hmm. and the responsibilities, I would imagine, you know, as you said, as a PM, you're kind of focused on your one, your core product team, with that one feature deliverable that your team is working on. Whereas oftentimes in product marketing, we're supporting multiple product teams. So we might be supporting multiple feature launches or updates or new products. So that does play into the diversity bit. And I know that's something that I've you know enjoyed myself personally. And part of the reason why I haven't really ventured outside of product marketing is because of that diversity and of that varying, you know, every day is different depending on which product team you're supporting, whether you're doing competitive intelligence one day, building out a go-to-market plan the next. So yeah, I couldn't agree with you more that product marketing gives you that variety. So if you're someone who really values that, you definitely see leaning more towards the product marketing side than the product management side.
0: Yeah, completely. And I guess traditionally at most companies that I've seen product marketing teams are smaller than product teams. And yeah, as you said, you usually support a few products, a few features. So it's a blessing and a curse, right? like you have less resources, but at the same time, your day-to-day job is so much more interesting.
1: Isn't that always the way it is in uh, in product marketing, right? For sure. Awesome. Well, so, you know, I had you on today, Olga, because again, it's not often I get to, to chat with individuals who work at companies the size of Google who have such a broad, you know, array of activities in so many different markets. But I think more specifically, what I find so fascinating about your experience at Google is the level of, you know, internationalness, if I could create a word, um, you know, you're, you've been fortunate enough to work on quite a few global launches. And before we get into the experience of launching something globally, I think it'd be great if you could just highlight for me, what are some of the primary differences between local, regional, and global product marketing roles?
0: Yeah, and obviously every role has its own, you know, advantages and disadvantages, and it all, first of all, want to know that it all really depends on the type of personality you are, so like the disadvantages that I might highlight, they might be actually advantages for you, so obviously very, very subjective opinion, but from my experience at least, when you're in a local team, when you're a local PMM, you have the full ownership of the market like you're the expert you you manage all the new launches coming to your market you know the user inside out like you know it all you're the full full uh, owner of the area you're working on but at the same time you're always in the pitching mode kind of like because the budgets are usually distributed globally the product managers might not sit in your country so you're always kind of pitching protecting your markets making sure that it's important it's interesting for the global teams which is, you know, for me, I found it hard, but at the same time, that's how startups work. That, that's the usual startup environment. You have to be great at pitches. So that could be an advantage as well. Then as a, reg- as a regional PMM, which is my role right now, um, I find that... It takes a lot of obviously, you know, coordinating because for example, I work in EMEA region, which is Europe, Middle East, and Africa, all very different and interesting countries. And you somehow have to build this like regional strategy based on that. So that's like quite exciting, quite a lot of coordination between all the markets involved for sure. And also a lot of cross-functional collaboration. Like I feel like at the regional level, you work much more with finance functions, with like go to market functions and other ones than in the global team where you sit so far apart that you don't like even see each other sometimes maybe. So that that's for sure a distinctive like let's say difference of the regional role. And then finally, as a global PMM, um, I feel like you go really deeply into one topic. So for example, you could be working on gross marketing and you become like fully an expert on this topic. So it's less ownership, but much deeper expertise uh, in some areas. And I guess you just like, it's interesting to be in a global role because you define the global strategy. You know, you work with product managers, the closest. So yeah, that was definitely an advantage advantage for me. But what's interesting about I keep talking about differences of these roles, but when we actually raised this topic during the product marketing and the ION summit in Amsterdam back in May, we had a round table about this topic. And what was interesting is that all the PMMs actually came with a question. So, okay, we know these differences, advantages, disadvantages, but how do we build the effect of collaboration between our teams? Like the hottest topic was how do local, regional, and global PMMs actually work together and how to build like a full site of collaboration there and that was interesting for me that like I think realizing advantages and disadvantages is important for building the collaboration and that's the main goal Uh, that's the hottest topic among PMMs right now as I as I heard on the summit
1: yeah that makes a ton of sense and when you're operating at that level of scale and and geographic reach collaboration Mm -hmm. is what I would imagine is going to make or break a successful launch or go-to-market strategy or just broader product marketing strategy For the entire business that that makes a ton of sense and i'm i'm curious at google is a progression pretty standard like do you start as local go regional and then elevate to global or do you jump around you know between those three levels depending on what your interests are what your you know location is i'm curious how that plays out
0: yeah this really depends on uh, individual pmm it's not it's not a hier- hierarchy, sorry, <laughs> it's, it's not a hierarchy. So it's not like the global PMM has more authority than a local one. Definitely not like that. Uh, I would say we all work as equal partners and it really depends on your own individual interests and career goals where you want to be like, for example, for me, it was important to get all the types of experience. I wanted to see, you know, how it's like to be a local, regional, global PMM. And that's why I prioritize it for myself. But definitely, it's it's not a career track that is, uh, I don't know, standard at Google or something like that.
1: And I find it so interesting that even as a regional PMM, you're responsible for such a huge region that is so incredibly diverse. And I'm curious how do you even begin to approach that level of diversity in your customer base when you're, you know, you're talking about Europe, Middle East, Africa, like that's almost, that's almost the entire planet, (laughs) obviously excluding North America and, you know, pockets of Asia. Uh, But like that, to some people that would feel global in and of itself. So how do you approach that level of diversity amongst that region?
0: Yeah. And I think that all comes down to prioritization. So as a regional PMIM, I think everyone understands, you know, you might be, one resource for this region or like a few people for this region so you cannot possibly cover everything so you define your priority products and then priority markets for this product and that's how you try to structure your scope otherwise yes it's 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 a lot as you mentioned uh so yeah and it's also important uh to have some local representation in local markets so and staying in touch with these local pmms as well for sure, because they're the experts, they have the full ownership of their markets for sure. And that's very, very, very important to stay in touch with them.
1: And do you have regular touch points with those local PMMs? Are they on a monthly, quarterly basis, or do they just tend to kind of pick up as you approach a launch?
0: Yeah. Um, We definitely have like monthly, I think, touch points for sure. And if, depending on the launch, if there is some active project going on, we might do it much more in a regular basis. Or if it's a priority market for some specific product, we'll be uh, talking daily, weekly, or whatever cadence is needed. But definitely as a baseline, we do have at least monthly touch points with all the local representatives that we have.
1: Very cool. So a moment ago, you talked about prioritizing. And I'm curious, as someone who's you know launched over 40 uh, products across you know upwards of 40 countries at a time, how do you recommend someone go about prioritizing those geographies or those markets? Like, what are the things that someone might want to consider when assigning? Hey, this is our priority one, priority two, so on and so forth.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I usually found uh, the kind of like the basis prioritization to come from product teams uh, because they're most. They're well connected to the business goals, and that really your prioritization really depends on the business goals. So, for example, is there a need to get as many users as possible really fast? Then it's one strategy. Or maybe there is a need to launch in very certain specific markets uh, for some or another reason. That that would be another strategy. So we usually sit together with the product team, uh, like aligning on the key markets depending on the business goals, and then we start from there. And I cannot stress enough how important it is to have the same market prioritization with your product team, uh, because I. I think I've heard from some PMMs that they are working like in silos with the product teams, and then it impacts, you know, the internal dynamic relationships, etc. So in my case, I've always tried to work really closely with the product team and having the same prioritization so that they know what to expect from go to market in each geography.
1: Yeah, that's such great advice. And that's one of the first areas that I tend to kind of push my, my product management counterparts on whenever we're talking about go to market is, how, how is product defining success for this feature or this product? Like, what are the metrics that you are trying to drive? And then how best can product marketing support those metrics being achieved? And, you know, I think sometimes it's okay if product management has their set of, you know, let's call it one to three top priorities in terms of metrics. And then product marketing might have a fourth or a fifth. And it's important as a product marketer to balance all of those, but still do everything that you can to support product yeah. in the achievement of their, of their metrics. And and I'm curious, you know, you talked about working really closely with the product to define or even just like kind of consume those goals. Have there ever been moments of friction where product says, well, this is what we want to achieve. And then product marketing comes in and says, yeah, but, you know, based on what you're telling me, you might actually want to be trying to achieve something else. Has that ever happened or has it been pretty much the case that both parties are on the same page?
0: That's a great question. I feel like generally in my experience, my teams have been working quite well together. So on the leadership levels, there's been always an alignment. But I think what we as a product marketing has always kind of pushed the product uh, function a bit uh, is on uh, engagement and retention. So seeing the long term strategy, I think product managers are often quite focused on launching the product, you know, just getting it out of the door. And we as product ma- marketing managers, we should be really pushing to think long term. So what is your retention strategy? What is like the in product engagement tools that you're planning to activate? So I wouldn't say it was a friction point, but that was definitely something we kept like bringing up in every go-to-market discussion. So what is our long-term retention plan?
1: That's really smart. And it's funny that you say that because we've had similar conversations internally at Jobber where CMO has actually come into the conversation and said, okay, it's great that these are the launch tactics that you want to accomplish or these uh, launch goals, I should say. But then how do we think about resurfacing this feature three months from now, six months from now, nine months from now to ensure that not only our customers that have, you know, onboarded since we've launched, uh, identifying it, seeing it and getting the value from it, but that those that are there with us at the time of launch continue to use it and engage with it. So, you know, it's, it's funny. uh, I feel like that is very much like a marketing perspective that you're right. Product just thinks about, okay, features live. We hit, you know, uh, metric ABC within three, six months on to the next thing. So yeah, it's important for us to come in with that longer term perspective, for sure.
0: And maybe we're even better positioned to do that. Because as we mentioned before, as PMMs, we usually cover a few features, a few products. So we see the picture from the user perspective, you know, so and the product teams are usually focused on their specific area. So we are really well positioned to push this conversation about like long term uh, retention strategy.
1: Yeah, and I want to follow up with a question just, again, based on how we do things at Jobbers. We work very closely with our lifecycle marketing partners to achieve the longer tail uh, strategy. Is it the same at Google, or is there a different approach, or is that just still all within product marketing?
0: I would say it depends, again, on the product and the team. Uh, In my experience, I've been the same person you know working on core product marketing and life cycle as well uh, i would also mention that maybe that was based on my personal interest as well because i love gross marketing i love life cycle tactics so i always try to choose the projects where i could apply both like core product marketing skills and gross marketing as well
1: that makes a lot of sense very cool so I think oftentimes, again, in product marketing, we think about the launch as a moment in time that happens to the entire customer base, right? Especially because a lot of us, as I said at the beginning of our conversation, are in software, and software tends to be accessible globally equally. But obviously, when you're working at a company like Google, and you're working in such a broad geographic reach, you can't always launch things at the exact same time. Is that okay to have a delay between regions, different parts of the world? And if so, you know what are some of the pros and cons of staggering different geographies?
0: Yeah, I would say that from a product marketing perspective, it's more than okay to you know distribute your launches uh, by geographies and by time. Uh, I think every market still operates like quite independently. So whatever comes up in in press, for example, in Germany might not come up in press in France, for example, like markets are still quite independent. So it's totally fine to launch something in one and then another, I would even recommend doing so because it's quite impossible to launch, you know, uh, Globally, at the same time, and the mistakes can happen. So, the more the less markets, let's say you have an each batch, the more attention you dedicate to this launch, uh, to engineering fixes, to marketing fixes. So, my preference has always been staggering the launches, uh, but not doing it one by one, which is also impossible. It, you can spend like a year just launching the feature in every market, but just splitting the markets in buckets, let's say. And as we mentioned, prioritization is key. So you have your priority markets that may go live first, then second priority markets, let's say third priority markets, et cetera. So really it is like, from my perspective, it is really recommended to have uh, like buckets and stagger the launches uh, in time.
1: Yeah. And as a follow-up, and and again, you don't have to get into specifics, but have there ever been times where you've launched something in your, you know, priority one and two markets, and then reception maybe wasn't as expected and you decided to maybe pull back on launching in markets that you'd already initially planned to do? Or has the inverse happened where you've only planned to launch in a couple of markets, but it went so well that you were then encouraged to continue launching further? Has that been the
0: case? I think the way we usually approach that if there is some you know, like uncertainty on how the launch is going to be perceived, I think we usually discuss with the product team that maybe we should test the launch in a smaller market first. So not launching priority markets at the beginning, but actually starting with smaller markets and like testing and seeing how it goes and then moving on to the biggest ones. So it really depends on your specific like product and launch strategy, Uh, but yes, for sure. I think we are trying to avoid situations when we have to pull back, you know, and like change the whole go-to-market strategy. It's better to be safe and like start testing with smaller markets.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and it's, it's funny again. You say that because I had a conversation with someone recently about not in the context of you know product functionality and features, but in the context of pricing. Where I've heard a number of global companies, I think it's in the streaming space. I want to say it was, might have been Spotify. I, I can't remember exactly, but a company or representative from that company came out and said, when we do pricing changes, we tend to identify a handful of smaller markets where we can test that change, gauge reaction and response, and then if we feel like we're hitting things from a metrics perspective. Will then update those prices globally. So, again, I think you're advocating for a similar approach, but from the, again, feature and product side, just to make sure before you go loud and go broad yeah. that in those test markets, you're seeing the success and update that you want, and then making a decision to go broader from there.
0: Yes, that makes so much sense, especially with sensitive topics like pricing. I can totally hear where they're coming from.
1: <laughs> 100%. All right. So, you know, we talked about, again, staggering launches. I'm curious when it comes to coordinating resources and assets. Do you have any advice on how to produce launch assets for each geography in a manageable way? Again, you know, given that you're launching across so many different places, I would imagine that, you know, localizing those assets and getting them ready for each of those markets can be quite challenging.
0: it is definitely a challenge and you should just accept that. You should just accept that it's going to be a really, really hard project. It's probably going to be a mess, but you know, you hopefully this kind of like advice that I give will help, you know, every PMM to make it as seamless as possible, but generally it is a big, big pain point. Um, So what I found really helpful from my experience is, you know, having A baseline of assets that are quite easily customizable so for example you just scale the same assets across most of the markets but if you have some priority markets you can customize them uh, for for these geographies so for example replacing some element like uh, an old bank card or some imagery that is basically easily plug and play uh I, i found that to be the best kind of like schema to work around and yeah just doing the basic translation for most of the markets and then customizable elements for really important geographies where you want to go local and we all know that local insights like local partners local imagery might work really well. So you want to give this opportunity, at least for the priority markets to customize the assets. It's probably impossible to produce custom assets for every single market. So that's why you have to approach this from a scalable standpoint.
1: And when you're discussing the creation of those assets with your creative team or whoever's responsible in-house for creating them, are you just providing them with a brief that say, hey, these are the markets that we want to launch in, and then they know enough based on that brief to go and make those changes? Or are you sitting side by side with them saying, Hey, for this asset and for this market, we want to change XYZ. But then for this market and this asset, we want to change ABC. Like, what level of direction do you need to give internally to get to that level of customization for each market?
0: Yeah. It's very important to keep customization uh, in mind at the start of the creative process. So we usually develop, you know, the brief for the baseline assets, let's say. So we're briefing our creative partners in a way that, hey, so we need this kind of assets. They will be scaled across this amount of markets. And for this, let's say, five markets, This elements will need to be replaced. Or please come up with a suggestion what elements we can replace in this asset for these priority markets. So it's really, really important to brief the creative partner with localization and adaptation in mind already at the start. Otherwise, you might end up with really great, creative, complicated assets, but that are just impossible to customize. So, yeah, I would say that's the number one flag at the briefing process.
1: Awesome. Well, on the topic of advice, or maybe the inverse advice, I'm curious what are the common mistakes you've seen, or maybe even had to make yourself when it comes to international launches? And what did you learn? And how would you encourage listeners to ensure that they can avoid making those same mistakes?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think my answer will seem obvious, but then when you actually work on an international launch, you kind of forget about this part. But, you know, just Testing the feature and testing the assets locally is so, so important. There are so many language nuances, so many, I don't know, local landscape nuances that you can just not be aware of as a regional or global PMM, that it's like very, very important to work with your local counterparts and ask them to try the feature and also to review the assets. It's incredible how many mistakes are still being, you know, produced like in every company, just because of that just because of simple localization uh, and even if you don't have a pmm for example in the local market, can you reach out to the sales team or to another function or maybe if you don't have any re- representative in this market can you find someone who speaks the local language among your colleagues in another country so there are a lot of a lot of creative ways to you know ensure the local speaker actually reviews the feature and the assets and it's really important not to just let it go and let it pass. It is a huge milestone in the whole launch process that we just, I guess, sometimes ignore. And that's the, still the basic and the biggest mistake that I've seen across like many campaigns.
1: Well, if it makes you feel any better, I know you said it may seem obvious, but I have an example. I can't, I can't remember which beer company specifically, but I remember, I can't remember if I, it was told to me while I was in school or if it was in a book that I read. But there was a very well-known beer company that launched a specific, you know, sub-label of their, of their uh, beer in a, I want to say Latin American market. And then when it was translated, it was something, it was a specific campaign for, for one of their Mm -hmm. beers, I should say. And when they launched it, the translation made it sound so unappealing. Like it was actually gross. The the campaign that people didn't, didn't end up actually buying the, the beer and the campaign was a huge flop. So even multinationals can make that simple mistake. So you're right. I think it's an important thing to, to keep in mind. And yeah, that advice of if there's anybody internally that you can lean on as just, hey, gut check this, does this make sense? This is what we're trying to say. Is it actually saying that? Is not only very cost effective, it's usually free, um, but it's a good way to just get that uh, direct uh, feedback with someone who has the context of working in that same organization and knows the product or the feature or the customer that they're trying to go to. So yeah, I think that's some fantastic yeah. advice.
0: Exactly, I agree.
1: Awesome. Well, Olga, this has been fantastic. Like I said, it's not it's not every day I get to speak not only with someone who works at a company the scale of Google, but also who has, you know, worked on as many global or international launches as you have. So thank you so much for providing your perspective and some guidance to the listeners on how they too themselves can make those same level of launches as a success. Uh before I let you go, though, I want to ask you my final question. And again, it's one I ask all my listeners, or guests, I should say, uh, what's an area of focus in the realm of product marketing? that you think product marketers will have to pay extra attention to this year, more so than in previous years?
0: That is also a great question. And to be honest, I was uh, thinking about my personal development plan for the second half of the year just recently. And I was actually like thinking about that question specifically. And I feel like now with everything that is going on in the industry, we see this all these big innovations coming up, all these new emerging technologies, It's so important to focus on your development as a PMM, you know, education, attending trainings, just like not... It's, it's just so easy to get lost in the everyday projects, you know, in the everyday emails and go-to-market strategies that you need to land while the industry is just, you know, developing so much. So I would advise to everyone and I'm hoping that I will stick to my promise myself is just to attend, you know, as many trainings, as many summits and listening to professional podcasts like this one, for example, just to keep myself updated of what's going on in the industry, what are the new techniques and new technologies I need to learn and, um, yeah, so self-development is definitely, you know, the area we should be all keeping in mind.
1: Yeah, that, I think that's some fantastic advice and whether you're doing it at the beginning of each year, uh, at the halfway point as you are, or every quarter, I think it's so important to take a kind of that self-check of, Hey, you know, these are the things that I wanted to accomplish this year in my day-to-day, but what do mm-hmm. I want to accomplish from a professional development perspective? What are the gaps in my knowledge that I still want to have filled? What are the, to your point, you know, emerging areas within the space of product marketing or growth marketing or marketing or product or whatever it might be that I know we're going to be important to my job, you know, six months from now, 12 months from now, and how can I go about learning those things? I think those are all important questions for product marketers, especially because we sit at the center of so many things. We constantly need to be aware of, of how things are happening and, and, you know, what new skills and, and tools we can pick up to make our lives easier and become better product marketers. So I think that's some fantastic advice.
0: Yeah. Hope it helps.
1: <laughs> hope oh, I stick to you know your
0: promise as well.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, listen again, Olga, this has been so fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. I will let you go, but before I do, if anybody wanted to reach out, maybe they're, you know, tackling their own first international launch uh, and they want to seek the wisdom of an expert, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you?
0: um feel free to reach out on linkedin uh it's olga lowell so you can find you can easily find me there uh yeah i'm looking forward to connecting
1: awesome well thank you so much olga and again good luck with uh, your next uh, global launch i'm sure you'll have many over mm-hmm. the coming months
0: thank you so much it was really really great to connect and chat about this topic thank you for everyone still to in, thanks so much for listening and if you enjoyed the podcast please help us spread the word to
1: other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic, or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to spot an episode, then there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are.